0: Our Christmas wish list here at the Think Christian Podcast is only one item long, a review from you of the show on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't take long. You could probably do it right now as we're getting into the episode. Just a couple of sentences will really help us reach new listeners. Thank you so much. Welcome to the TC Podcast. I'm Josh Larson, editor over at thinkchristian.net. We talk about faith and pop culture because there's no such thing as secular. The Advent season has just begun. Now, when I was a kid, the lighting of those candles at church each Advent Sunday, for me, it mostly worked as a countdown to the day when I would get some presents. Today, we have a present for you, hopefully a more thoughtful approach to the Advent season. With the help of Roslyn Hernandez and Abiel Chessy, we're going to offer five films, at least five films. I think we'll probably get to some titles beyond that, but movies that evoke the themes of each Advent Sunday. So hope, faith, joy, peace, and then the realization of all of those in the person of Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. Some christmas theme movies will be a part of this mix, but we'll also have some surprising ones that evoke Advent in unexpected ways. Now, before we get to those picks, a bit of a programming heads up. We're already planning our best of 2023 episodes of the podcast, and we want you to be a part of that. So you can do that by sharing your favorite 2023 movies, TV, and music. Do this via social media or email. Now, if you want to connect with us on Facebook or on Twitter slash X, you can find us at Think Christian. Better yet, go ahead and email us, tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. That way you can even send an audio file where you talk a little bit about your favorite movie, TV show, or piece of music from last year. We might be able to play that on the show. So again, that's tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. Okay, let's get back to the season at hand and talk advent movies with Rosslyn and Abby. A happy advent to Rosslyn Hernandez and Abby Olchessey who join me now to discuss a handful of advent themed movies. Before we get to the films you two, I'm I'm curious how you both mark advent. Do you, do you do those calendars um, you know that you can pick up pretty much everywhere now and have Many themes beyond just the Christmas story theme. Uh, do you? Does your church do the candles, the Advent wreath with the candles, uh, maybe something else? How about you, Rosalind?
1: yeah, you know, I didn't I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and we didn't really have an Advent tradition. So it's something that I have definitely been um, exploring more on my own as I have uh, grown up and like gone to seminary and gone to different churches. So it's definitely something that um I really like to do Advent guides and be more um, reflective in this time and also um, the different other churches that I've been to uh, since I went to seminary. I have also started, um, you know, have the services and light the candles. And so that's a really, a really great uh, way, I think, of um, doing some kind of ritual that really um, invites us to contemplation and to meditation that I really enjoy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's something wonderful about having a tradition from childhood that you're still participating in, but also something kind of cool about Experiencing other practices um, at other churches. So both ways can work really well. What, what's your experience been, Abby? And, and is there something you, you tend to do most recent years every year?
2: Yeah. uh, Advent was always kind of a big deal in my house. Um, I grew up going to a Presbyterian church in Evanston that made kind of a big deal out of it. And we had Advent calendars at home. In later, more recent years, uh, my mom and I have um, like matching digital Advent calendars that she buys for us every year that have these little like fun activities that go with them. They tend to not be very religious, but they are a lot of fun. And then uh, my church also has a number of uh, practices that I think are really cool. They have a weekly meditation service that lasts about like an hour every Wednesday leading up to Advent. And then something specifically that they do that I really like called the longest night of the year on uh, December 20th, which is specifically a time of kind of meditation and uh, and healing for people who might be having a more emotionally fraught relationship with Christmas and Advent. And it's, it's proved to be really uh, meaningful for us as a as a church community, I think the last couple
0: of years that we've done it. Great. Yeah, that contemplation um, element has always been a part of Advent, but I feel like, especially with the experience of the pandemic and being forced to take it slow even more than usual and chill, that has resonated more strongly, at least for me, in recent years. And Abby, it was actually— during the pandemic, November 2020, you wrote a post for Think Christian that sort of inspired the idea for this episode we're doing here. Over at thinkchristian.net, uh, you wrote um, you offered folks five titles, basically, that they could watch at home. Churches at that time were mostly closed, mostly still closed, and for people to mark Advent in maybe a new way or a different way if they couldn't in their usual traditional way. So you gave five titles. Titles five suggestions. Each of us is going to bring a new title to add to those. But I thought maybe, um, if you wouldn't mind, Abby, quickly going through the five that you did chose just for some context, and maybe you can mention quickly too. You know, you connected each pick with um, one of the themes, the Sunday themes for Advent as well. So yeah, run us through that real quick if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, even though I wrote about these and I've read the article a lot in preparation for my own book, which um, uses a lot of these titles, but expands on them a little bit, I I had to kind of go back and make sure that I knew all the titles that I went through. But uh, for uh, week one, Hope, I used The Last Jedi as kind of an example of what the hope of the original Star Wars trilogy looks like 40 years on from that first saga. For the second week, I have uh, The Bishop's Wife, which is an older film from uh, 1947 that I've always found, like, su- surprisingly progressive in its um, its views on what Advent and Christmas are really for versus the, like, materialism that is usually associated with it. For week three, uh, which is Joy, I look at Paddington 2, which is kind of, I think, an, a good example of... Um, Joy as sort of an active choice that we make in our lives to, um, to bring joy to our lives, to interact with other people joyfully, and to kind of see what the overarching effects of joy are when we choose to behave that way toward other people. And the fourth week piece is a, a film I chose called uh, Joyeux Noël, which is um, like a multilingual film, but French in its production uh, that came out in 2005 that is about the Christmas truce of 1914 during World War I, or at least one, one imagining of what the Christmas truce might have looked like for um, a group of uh, Scottish and French and German soldiers as they kind of spend an unexpected uh, couple of days together in fellowship during
0: uh, the course of the war. It's wonderful. I love the mix that you bring there. And so then do we have five? Did you get all five? Is that uh,
2: the fifth one is, uh, yeah, kind of the the realization of all of those themes together. And for that one, I chose uh, Peter Hedges's film, Ben is Back, which is a more recent. Oh, that's film. right. Yeah, yeah. Like only a few years old um, as an example of kind of uh, really intense parental and child love. Um, what Like the kind of the source of that, what it looks like in action um, and the different kind of worldly forces that conspire to make that more difficult (laughs) in uh, in in real life than. We would like it to be.
0: Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. We'll link to to that original post so folks can read up on all of those. But there there's the five we promised five in the title of the episode, so we've hit those. But let's move beyond that. Let's let's bring some new ones into the mix because um, I just love this is a very rich topic. I think is to um, see the various uh, markers on the church calendar, which I know your book is about, uh, through the lens of film. Um, and so I'm excited to hear about a couple more here. Let's get into our picks, starting with you, Rosslyn. Uh, your title decidedly not a christmas movie at first glance um not one that would immediately come to mind um so of course i was intrigued i was unfamiliar with it had heard about it had not seen it myself until just watching it for this show and it became clear to me very early on how it might be connected to advent but why don't you tell us uh the title of the film a little bit about what it's about and the christmas connection that you made
1: yeah, so the film that I chose is called Forsama. Sama. And it's, admittedly, it's a difficult film to watch. Um, it is about Syrian refugees, um, about Syrian people in Aleppo and how they were, you know, bombarded. And um, just, it's the story of this mother, really. Um, telling or creating this film for her daughter, whom she has during this very difficult time. And so um, I think for me, whenever I think about Advent, and this might be a reactionary like stance from on my part, I have like openly admitting that, but you know, as um, Abby mentioned, there's so much like commercialization and it's just like the holiday gets so capitalized in our culture that um, I think I really wanted to think about the nativity story that brings us Christmas. And if we think about that, uh, you know, much like what's happening in the world today, there's this Palestinian, young Palestinian family having to flee their home because, you know, there's an occupying force that is committing infanticide and they have to leave their home. And so uh, that's, uh, you know, we can't, I think uh, sometimes we, we sanitize the Christmas story in some sense. We domesticate a lot of our own Christian stories, and there is a lot of pain and a lot of human suffering in those stories. But it is out of that pain that we get like hope, um, like joy. And so this film really is, has a lot of suffering. There's like, there is death. And I think sometimes we forget in the nativity story, there was death. There were a lot of children that died, possibly families. There was a lot of mothers suffering for their children. There were a lot of fathers suffering for their children. And in the midst of that, you know, we get Mary and Joseph, having hope for their child and hope for this, um, calling that they, they have from God, right. To, to bring this child into the world. And, um, you know, that film raises a lot of questions like that. Like, should we really do that? Should we stay here? Should we go and, you know, be refugees or should we go somewhere else? And, uh, another thing that, the film really has is that in the midst of all that pain and suffering and violence, you get these moments of like really deep love and like familial connections and bonds that get formed, and just like these these themes of advent of like hope and joy and love, and that you know we can have those two things and hold them together. I think sometimes it doesn't feel easy. And, and many times, especially in Western society, it doesn't feel like, oh, well, you can't be sad and happy at the same time or you can't hold difficult emotions and be joyous at the same time. But yet there are these people, you know, um, all over the world who have difficult situations and they don't have um a say about like that's out of their hands and yet in the midst of that difficulty they have hope and they have joy and they have love and they have celebrations to you know celebrate how god is still with them and um and yeah so that's why i chose i chose that there's also you know they it lasts for um the film goes from like 2014 to 2016. So they do go through several Christmases and they do um, kind of, you know, they enjoy seeing the snow and they enjoy kind of like having each other to, to celebrate, celebrate being alive, just being alive. And, and so that's why I chose that film, which I think, you know, it's difficult, but I think it, it helps to remind us that, much of what we get to have in this time. Other people don't get to have that. And sometimes we get to enjoy things and it comes through suffering or it can be, in, things can be enjoyed or we can find joy and hope even in the midst of suffering.
0: When you remind yourself of those elements of the first Christmas story that you're talking about, wrestling, it, it's, Strikes me as such a contemporary story um, that there are families, refugee families with infants experiencing even today things very similar. And this film for Sama documents that Um, uh, I want to mention the woman's name, who's a journalist, the mother here. Wad al Katiab, and she co-directs the film, is credited as co-director with Edward Watts. And it's essentially her narrating, as the title implies, to the camera over the course of these years at the start of the Syrian civil war, um, first to her uh, baby who's on the way, and then after uh, she is born, this experience of having this infant in while they're living under siege, really, from um, the, uh, the Syrian regime and also Russian bombardment from airplanes above. It's shocking what they are trying to survive while running this hospital that her husband has started. You know, that's their daily life is keep this hospital going of victims of these shellings, um, keep them alive while also raising a child. So I'm very glad that I was um, nudged to see this, knowing it was difficult material. It's one of those that might've sat on the back shelf. Um, So thank you for, for bringing it, to the forefront abby i don't know if you saw it for the first time for this or if you had already seen Forsyth. yeah uh
2: this was my first viewing i, I think josh like you i had been aware of it um i think the film itself is not all that i, I think it came out like a couple of years ago i remember it being kind of a, a big deal on the award circuit for a little while but yeah often like kind of knowing that i should see it and then kind of avoiding it because i knew that the subject matter would be really bleak but yeah i'm so glad that i had the opportunity to watch it it was really powerful
0: Yeah. And uh, we should emphasize even more just for, for listeners. Um, you know, this is difficult content and you've described some of it, Rosalind. The most difficult scene for me, um, is probably the one where it locked in as an Advent film though. And that is the miracle (laughs) that we see. Um, it's, it's so harrowing. This is at the hospital, um, where her husband and others are working, um, her husband, uh, Hamza want to make sure you mentioned his name and this, a woman comes in a pregnant woman, a victim of she- shelling into the emergency room. She appears to be dead and they perform this emergency emergency C-section. And just like the gasp that came out of me when they did bring the baby out, very difficult moment to watch, but how about I mean, there are so many attempts at resuscitation to the point where you, I was saying to myself, just stop, you know, just stop um, because it was so difficult to watch. And then we get that cry and you see the baby's open eyes and and it's like just wrenching. You're so you never thought that was going to be possible. So it's absolutely a miracle birth. We learn the mother survives, too. But um, yeah right then and there i was um thinking about how intense this movie was and if i didn't know if i could take it and also like this is very much an advent movie in terms of a miracle birth so uh, so that is for sama
1: something else just really quickly it's also it's told from the mother's perspective you know and you know advent is like we get mary's story and like uh, mary's perspective and point of view and i think a lot of times that's also something that we don't see a lot in Christmas films. Um, and you know she's Wad mentions in the film, like my story and like I keep recording because it's the only way that I can resist. And um, so a narrative is a very powerful thing. And we, when we get to say it and when we get to give our perspective on our own narrative, it's a very powerful thing too, for the world and not just for ourselves.
0: I like that. I like that. All right, Abby. Let's get to your pick. A very, very different film, <laughs> though it does also involve a baby. Um, so, and you two did not coordinate this. So, so which film did I know, you go? Yeah, with? we
2: both went. Uh, we both went the baby direction. And I mean, I would argue that that this film has some pretty harrowing situations for a baby. I, I picked uh, Satoshi Kon's film *Tokyo Godfathers*, which is uh, kind of a re- adaptation of. Um, I guess there are like two versions of this film, like the American version of this film is called Three Godfathers. And one of them, I think probably the more notable of the two is a Western starring John Wayne, which I have not seen and I'm very curious to watch. But uh, this is an anime version that takes place in Tokyo, kind of in the in the space between Christmas and, uh, and New Year's. And it centers on a uh, trio of homeless people. Uh, we have Hana, who is a... Like she, she doesn't self-identify as a trans woman, but she's definitely like within that that milieu. She says at the beginning that, um, in my heart, I am a woman. So we've we've got that as part of her identity. We have Jin, who is kind of a middle-aged older man who is an alcoholic, and uh, Miyuki, who is a teenage runaway. And the three of them are kind of scrounging around to find dinner together on Christmas Eve. And uh, as they search, find an abandoned baby on a pile of trash. And Hana, after having asked for a Christmas miracle, immediately takes to the baby and becomes a maternal figure and names her Kyoko, which means pure. Um, And in their course of trying to find... The parents of this baby or to find this baby a home, a family to, to stay with, because obviously this baby can't survive on the street. Um, there are a number of kind of miraculous things that happen to the three of them. And uh, all of them somehow involve the three of them having to deal with the, the conflicts or issues or relationships that led them to leave their homes in the first place and kind of reconcile those relationships together.
0: Yeah, it's a really, really good film. I'd also recommend uh, Satoshi Kon's uh, Paprika and Millennium Actress. Those are two great ones as well. So if you're looking for other anime recommendations, you mentioned, Abby, um, the 1948 John Wayne Western, that uh, it's based on Three Godfathers. Believe it or not, uh, another Think Christian Post uh, back in 2016, David Kern wrote one. It was called Five Other Christmas Movies you should see. So just kind of like a unexpected, (laughs) unusual, he covered three Godfathers so so definitely uh, a good connection here we actually talked about it under the advent theme of peace so in opposition to sort of gunslinging violence that you'd get in a Western how this John Wayne film is a little bit different than that um, uh, so anyways that's that's just more um, more movies for you to check out but Russell, what would you make of of this version of Tokyo Godfathers
1: yeah mean, you know the the theme of the child being someone you know that brings people together was really apparent and really um, it it brings us like a, a sweetness and like a heartwarming aspect to to the film and to into and the person as you're watching it right um what I really loved was Hana's motherly aspect and like being and it wasn't just with with the baby it was also with the I think it's Miyoko uh, the the teenager who, um, who was run away. Um, And she really makes them a family. It's Hana who holds them together. And I think there's so many aspects of her that are so gentle. I really love that she says a haiku several times throughout the film and to like mark like the thing that's happening. Um, and there's a, a really funny one, even when she talks about her mom's breath and then her mom like sneezes. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, and it was just, um, yeah, I think it's like three haikus, three or four of them throughout the film, but that really kind of make you like stop and meditate on on what is happening. Like when she talks about her mom, you know, she's like, oh, like this is the, my mom or this is someone whom I, I was connected with, and whom I have a bond with, even if I have left home. This is someone that I love. You know, the, there's a lot of misadventures and a lot of miracles in this film, um, which I really loved. I think the the aspect of love and being family and redemption was really um, was really hopeful in this because even when. Uh, You know, they think they found the mother and it turns out it's not the mom. And then, um, you, you find out you, you get to, you get to learn so many backstories that are so full of pain. And then you understand why people are, you know, acting the way they are or what, um, what's bringing them to, to do the things that they're doing. And, and then to find not just the interactions with Hana and, um, Jen and Miyuki and the baby the way that those people interact with others in the film brings them to reflection and to like redeem their own stories like that woman's husband um, that tried the woman so this woman tries to steal the baby oh she, st- she stole it in the first place and then um, tries to steal it again and then the husband's like realizes you know towards the end like oh like I really I really lacked you know some of like someone in the care towards my wife, like I could have been a better husband or like there's there's more that I can do or like don't, like there's hope for us. Let's try again kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think there was, um, it was really fun. It was really funny. It was, uh, uh, you know, some moments of like, just like the, ah, uh, and like, you know, uh, really meditating on, on life and like the bond of, the bond and the, the goodness of humanity, because these are three people that are unhoused and these are the people that saved this child and are looking to do the right thing and are sometimes seen by others as people that aren't worthy, but they show how worthy they are and how much, even though they are um, mistreated, they like don't treat others in that way in return.
0: So that's Tokyo Godfathers. um, And we're circling closer, I think, to more explicit Christmas (laughs) content here uh, with my pick, which is set over the Christmas holidays. Um, There are decorations almost in every scene. Um, I wouldn't say it's, uh, you know, explicitly religiously minded, however, though I found a lot in there. The movie is The Holdovers. And uh, this is a recent release. I believe it might still be in some theaters by the time this episode is out. Uh, It will be available for sure digitally for rent or purchase. So if you missed it um, and it's not in theater around you, you can find it there. The Christmas miracle in this one is that the director, Alexander Payne, uh, he's made, you know, darkly comic Really bitter human comedies like Sideways and About Schmidt. Here he has a movie that's full of Christmas spirit. It takes place, uh, Holdovers takes place at a New England prep school. As I said, during the Christmas season of 1971, so a bit of a period piece here. Everyone else has left the school for the holiday, but one teacher, played by Paul Giamatti, uh, who also appears in Sideways, he's forced to stay behind and supervise a handful of students who can't go home for a variety of reasons. So eventually the movie condenses and focuses on three characters. uh, Giamatti's teacher, uh, named Paul Hunnam, and then a particularly troubled and difficult um, but, but bright student named Angus, played by newcomer Dominic Sessa, and then the school's chef named Mary, And played by Divine Joy Randolph. She's staying over the break as well, partially uh, to grieve in relative privacy over the recent death of her son in the Vietnam War. So you can probably see where this is going. It's a familiar trajectory. The screenplay is by David Hemmingson that these three are going to, you know, not want to be there, get on each other's nerves, but come to form this surrogate family. That does happen, but the delicacy with which all of that is handled by pain, I think. And really, these these three leads makes the holdover special. I was listening to uh, Linda Holmes on Pop Culture Happy Hour talk about this movie, and all of a sudden my ears perked up the terminology she was using. She said this at one point. It's really, to me, about grace. It's about people finding a way to have these moments of grace that come to them in really different ways. Now she goes on, you know, to define what she means by this in in humanist terms. But I actually think the movie itself is more explicitly Christian. Uh, these small acts of kindness that these three characters. Learn to express and they have to learn to express them. It doesn't come naturally necessarily to all of them. They register as gifts uh, to me symbolically. And then actually literally when we get to Christmas Day and they're still stuck together and then gifts are actually exchanged. So just just one example, I'll give of that real quickly here uh, because I want to hear what you two made of this movie, too. Mary's meals and Mary's hospitality. Um, The fact that they come, first of all, from the groceries that have been left over. I think she says at one point something like, uh, we're going to have to make do with what we got. Um, But she makes these meals for them. Eventually, they come to share them together, um, and especially for this Christmas feast that she prepares. So going back to something you said early on, Russell, about the rampant consumerism that's come to define the holidays I think we forget or we can forget that all this present exchanging um, during Advent and on Christmas, it's it's meant to be an echo, right, of the gift of the gospel, um, which was offered by a lowly birth in Bethlehem um, in unexpected ways. So this movie captured that original sense of, of gift giving at Christmas to me. It was an incredibly moving reminder of that. Um, I've talked to so many people about this movie who have loved it as well. Um, so I'm eager to, to see what you two made of it. What'd you think of the holdovers wrestling?
1: It was really fun to watch. (laughs) I think that the dynamics between Paul, Mary and Angus are, um, are just hilarious. Um, and Mary is very like tender and hospitable, but she's also like the one telling them how, like how it is. She's she's the one saying the truth, you know, (laughs) and like putting them in their place, um, and yeah and i think that's just you know i think i I love the fact that especially that she's also like a black woman you know that she is and this film holds a lot of tensions like that um you know people feel left or cast aside or abandoned by their family and and yet they find you know like um human connection and even growth in one another and for me, it's also kind of a little bit of a coming of age story because Angus really grows, but it's not just Angus. I think Paul also grows a lot from this. For um, sure. He, um, you know, he starts being so tied to this place that he feels comfortable and safe in of really caring for this boy who is, uh, kind of a pain at times and choosing to be on his side and not just, um, look out for himself and his job. And, um, and the ways in which he has felt safe in that position as a teacher in that school.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned um, you know, that it has that element of grieving and sadness for all three of them because it is very funny, as you say, um, but it's not like a laugh out loud comedy throughout by any means. So there's a lot of tension here. Yeah. I, What'd you make uh, of it, Abby? I
2: I really I think it's it's something that's grown on me the more that I think about it. Rosalind, you mentioned kind of the tension and uh just kind of taking Taking the joyful with the sad, I feel like one scene that is really powerful for me that illustrates that well is uh, there's so Mary obviously is grieving the death of her her son, who's grown or was grown when he died. but her sister is about to have a baby, and she is initially not sure she wants to go visit her sister because she doesn't think she can handle it. But about three quarters of the way through the film, she decides to visit her. And, um notably, importantly, she brings along her son's baby clothes to give to her sister. Uh, to clothe her baby, which the more I think about it, just makes me want to cry. It's so beautiful. Like, uh, Paul and Angus kind of falling on swords for each other um, throughout the film. Uh, Like, Angus kind of coming to Paul's rescue in, like, an awkward conversation situation by, like, basically lying for him. Um, Even though he's been told by Paul a number of times that, like, people who go to the school don't lie. Barton men don't lie. Um, And uh, then later when uh, Paul kind of Sort of lies, but not really to uh, to protect Angus and to help him stay in the school so he won't get kicked out and eventually loses his job for it is it's such a such a beautiful moment as well. Like it's a moment of growth for him. It's kind of this uncertain moment of sacrifice where like you're not sure if he knows that that's going to be like he hopes it's going to be meaningful for Angus. I don't think he knows if Angus really groks that, but I can tell like you can tell that he will um, because that's exactly the kind of like the form of kindness that he needed in that moment. And uh, there's a there's a bit where Angus and Paul are in a store together and Angus tells him like, hey, I've never really known which of your eyes to look at because he has a lazy eye. And in that moment, when he leaves the office, like right after he's been fired, he looks at Angus and he says, it's this one. This is the eye you should look at, which made me both like laugh and cry at the same time because it's a really funny payoff. But also it's just like, oh, man. (laughs) So, yeah, it's.
0: Yeah, some great. Yeah, it's it's just screenwriting like there
2: that, that are all like just like small moments where like it's it's asking the audience I think to pay close attention to these characters and their growth so that when that comes back around you understand how meaningful it is in that moment. But I think also like clearly those characters are paying attention to each other like they are recognizing the needs that each other has and they are recognizing. Um, the value of the conversations they've been having together throughout the movie so that when it pays off, it really hits hard. And I think that's a, I think that's, that's, that's a great example of like what makes a, I think a good Christmas movie and a good Advent movie is when you see kind of all of those forms of grace and love kind of coming together in like one wonderful package.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've I've been telling folks trying to capture the the mood and feeling of the holdovers that it's sort of a live sure. action Charlie Brown <laughs> Christmas special. Just that sense of melancholy, and we do get some you know some Christmas carols on the soundtrack. It's constantly snowing. There's a hushed softness to it. Um, a lot of funny bits as we've described, but uh, also some real sadness and then tenderness mixed in too. So, so that's the holdovers. Abby brought Tokyo Godfathers. Rosslyn, you brought Four Sama. We will um, link to those three titles and mention them in the show notes. Uh, we'll also link to Abby's post and David Kearns as well. You will be overwhelmed with Christmas Advent movie options uh, after listening to this episode. Way more than five there. Thank you both for helping me do this. Uh, Abby, you mentioned your book um, that has kind of been inspired by this idea and other posts you've written for Think Christian around the church calendar.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm in revisions right now, but uh, the book itself, if everything stays on schedule, so fingers crossed, uh, should be out around this time next year. Like they're thinking like a fall release for 2024. So right in time for uh, Advent, really.
0: Perfect. Great. Can't wait for that. Are are you on a bit of a Christmas break already with the FYI on Youth Ministry podcast, or is there something you'd like to point listeners to?
1: Um, yeah, I can point listeners to the Chasing Justice podcast, which I also produce, and we're um, doing a um, a season right now. We're in the middle of a season, um, but and you, you know you can jump in at any time, um, and it's loosely based on how we can be social justice minded or how we can take action based on our personality or loosely based on the Enneagram Um, so if you're you know someone who's more of a gentle person and you know more of an investigator or uh, if you're like an Enneagram one and really wants to reform things like we have people that are already doing the work of justice who have identified themselves as those personality types and they have talked to us about how they have in their journey how they have learned to do the work to best suit their personality and their you know sustainability within that, and how um, we can all do justice work. Um, it doesn't always have to be, you know, going out there and marching or, you know, turning yeah. over tables. and, you know, yeah, we yeah. can all do it from from our own our own way.
0: What a great idea! That's chasing justice. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Thanks again to both of you. Um, I hope you hope you both have a meaningful Advent season. That does it for new episodes for 2023. Next month, we're going to be spending a lot of time looking back on the best movies, TV, and music from this year. So we'll have three episodes coming at you in January with the entire podcast team celebrating the best pop culture of 2023 as always, we want you to be a part of these shows. So you can do that by sharing your favorite 2023 movies, TV, and music. Find us on Facebook or Twitter slash X at ThinkChristian, or send those in via email, tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. That way you can send an audio file, if you'd like, of you talking about your pick, and we might be able to play that on the show. So that's tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. Net. The TC Podcast is a listener-supported program of Reframe Ministries, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Our audio engineer and post-production supervisor is John Reeder, and Reframe's co-director overseeing content strategy is Robin Basselin. I'm Josh Larson. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next month to talk about how a number of corners of our pop culture fandom connect with our faith.